This is the Peaked Podcast from Poland. I'm Kareem Maddox. Allow me a moment to quickly recap why I'm in Poland, because in case you haven't guessed, I'm not Polish. So almost a year ago, I was working as a news host at a national public radio member station in Colorado. Here's what that sounded like. With KUNC News, I'm Kareem Maddox. Denver Public Schools wants nearly $4 million to streamline the lockdown procedure in an emergency. The Denver Post reports that the money... Now when I speak to the public, it sounds more like this. It was a good game. Uh, We had a long break coming off the uh, holidays, so we were focused on... Uh, getting right back into the swing of uh, of playing and playing organized, and uh, some teams tend to maybe get a little disorganized, um, a little haphazard. Uh, That's because I quit my job in Colorado as a news host to play professional basketball in Europe. I'm in Poland now. It was one of the toughest decisions I've made because I really liked my job, but here I am. Now, from the outside looking in, I wouldn't blame anyone who suggested that this was a so-called quarter-life crisis. To be clear, it was not, as far as I'm concerned at least, but I wanted to know for sure, so I spoke to an expert to learn more about so-called quarter-life crises. Oliver Robinson is a senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Greenwich. I reached him on Skype. He does research on adult development and life crises at the University of Greenwich, and he talks about two kinds of crises. One, he calls a locked-out crisis. That's when someone finds it hard to get a job or get into a relationship or really get started on the process of settling down into the adult world in a meaningful way when they really feel like they should be. The other type he talks about is a locked-in crisis, and Robinson has a unique perspective on that. Before he ever took an interest in studying the subject, Robinson himself had a locked-in life crisis. I asked him to describe it. When I was probably 26 to 28, I had an archetypal locked-in crisis myself where I realized that I've made some decisions that were what I thought were made for decent reasons, but that were not going to keep me happy, fulfilled, um, sane even. So, because I was a corporate research executive and uh, was dating a quite religious girl who was pleasant enough but she wasn't very well suited to me and uh, was living in a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of lifestyle that was a bit of an extension of my student years. The whole thing I realized was wrong and I moved house, left a job, started a PhD, left a girl, started a band. Um, it was a crazy time. Can you describe someone who you would say is feeling uh, locked in. Sure. So the locked in crisis is the individual who has settled down into a career and or long term relationships last marriage. And so has put down roots and has very much taken the step into adult life and will be perceived as potentially having kind of made some fairly considerable successes in settling down and getting a salary and, uh, and, and a home life, etc., who then realizes that one of their major decisions, whether it's career or relationship or something else, um, is not sustainable for the future, that it was based on motives that were not fully thought through or that you know, perhaps a lack of self-knowledge or perhaps feeling pressures from society or parents or something like that. 
and then and, the, and so they look, and so they realize that they don't want it anymore but initially they don't feel they can change it because they've committed to it so they feel locked in to it this 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 creates a sense of brewing crisis which eventually leads to some major life change where the person does break out and start again but it's not without considerable emotional upheaval so the choice seems to me to be one between uh, sticking it out, toughing it out, and, and making making a change, and maybe a big one. Yeah, that's it. So, and all the people I've spoken to, there's you know, you have a whole mix. You have some people who whose relationship remained completely constant through the crisis, and they just made major career changes. Some who had whose career remained completely constant, but they made major relationship changes. But interestingly, there was there were some who the, where the problem was was more about their social circle. Uh, and the way that that felt they were trapping was was trapping them, the kind of people they were hanging out with. So the, the big change was in their social relationships, their friendships, um, their, and their, in their friendship circles. And uh, so that's an, a, a, you know also an, an area that, that can change through these peri- through these crisis periods as well. And so your work stems from that of Eric Erickson, who's a well-known uh, American psychologist, credited with coining the term identity crisis. Correct. And you study these identity crises in relation to a time in life called emerging adulthood. What is emerging adulthood? Uh, emerging adulthood was a term that was originally coined by Jeff Arnett, but specifically in relation to Erickson's work. And emerging adulthood is where, you're, where you feel sort of adult, but sort of not. And you feel like you're sort of in this ambiguous limbo state between being a, a teenager, being an adolescent, and being a fully-fledged member of society in terms of your contribution, your sense of being uh, a, a stable adult in the fact that you've put roots down, you've sort of settled down, you've got an address, you've got commitments, you've got a routine. And many of the things that we consider to be defining of adulthood after all the flux and change of growing up. But you're neither of those things. You're, you're sort of in between. So many people who are in higher education feel like they're in this sort of semi-independent state where they're sort of adults and sort of not um, and indeed many people who are still changing relationships frequently changing residence frequently trying to still find their way in life in terms of career also feel like they're sort of adults but sort of not and it's that ambiguous state that's very defining of emerging adulthood something that comes to mind for me is Many people, especially as the economy took a downturn um, starting in 2008 and it became more difficult for people to get jobs, many ended up living with their parents. This is not, you know, an underreported phenomenon by, by, by any means. It's been talked about a lot. But do you think that kind of prolongs this emerging adulthood period? And does it maybe make people more likely to have a quarter life crisis later in life? Um, well, I, I, so the, firstly, yes, I think that the, the fact of moving back in with parents definitely creates uh, and prolongs that sense of emerging adulthood. Um, there's, uh, there are a lot of reports, there are studies on it from the UK, and the kind of report that you hear is from those who live with their parents is, is that it's very difficult to be an adult in an environment where, you're, where you've traditionally been treated as the child. Um, and so until one moves out of the parental home, that sense of not being fully adult can, is definitely something that kind of continues. So how do you think social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, play into feeling locked in or locked out? That's a very good question. I haven't personally done research on it, but I know people who have. And it does seem to be 
uh, an important factor um, uh, in exacerbating both locked in and locked out problems. So for the person who feels locked out of life, they can't get a job, they can't get into a relationship, then they look, they kind of go on Facebook and they see everyone who so apparently does and that can exacerbate their their, their negative feelings. For those people who feel locked in, uh, who feel trapped, again, they go on Facebook and they see everyone's holiday shots and people smiling and they assume that everyone else is not and that can exacerbate their feelings as well. But if you survey a random sample of the general population and ask whether they think they're in a crisis at any one time, you tend to find over 50%, over 50% saying either yes or maybe. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so, so the, 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 the view that we have, that most people are fine most of the time and just a few people are struggling in crisis, is not true. It's, it's a pretense that we manage to, con- that we manage to purvey at the level of, 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 uh, of, um, of society. Um, so, so what you see on Facebook is not representative. And many other people will be struggling, but just won't want to convert to social media. So I do think it creates a kind of echo chamber of, of sort of falseness, um, social media sometimes. And for insecure young people and even insecure older people, you know, I think it can kind of play on insecurities at any age. OK, so uh, you talk about four phases of a life crisis. Phase one is being locked in. Phase two is kind of taking some active steps. Phase three seems like a time of exploration, trying new things, maybe, like you said, getting out of that relationship or or changing a job, changing your social circle. But let's talk about phase four, which is kind of like the resolution to a life crisis. What are some positive outcomes, like the best case scenarios? So the best case scenarios are that the the person following the crisis feels that they uh, are emotionally and uh, psychologically ready to settle down again into major commitments. Uh, now, the, the things about major commitments, um, it, it, like jobs and relationships, is that they, while they are a very comforting thing, they're a very frightening thing as well, because you're setting yourself in a pattern that's going to potentially remain for decades, if, you know, in some cases. You know, that's certainly you know, for a lifetime, maybe. And so you have to kind of, you have to really feel ready. You have to feel like, you know, that it's kind of, it's coming from a deep place within you. So at the end of the crisis, what, what, what I tended to find was that people were making decisions about their life that was based more on a sense of what they thought was in line with their values and was fulfilling and expressive of their personality rather than something that was uh, about what other people would approve of or get, 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 would get money or, you know, fame or something like that. It was more about you know, the idea that, you know, I've only got one chance at life and I may as well feel like, you know, I'm actually doing it authentically. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so, the, so, the, so the best resolution for, 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 for people who were describing these crises to me in all the interviews that I did was of this sense of, in, of being intrinsically motivated and authentic uh, and being in commitments again, but the commitments being not so much something which was trapping them but was allowing but was giving them a chance to do their thing of course you sampled and 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 surveyed some people who did have some negative outcomes what were those like sure so yeah so you're right so in the uh interviews you do tend to get this sample bias towards people with positive stories to tell um and then we did this large uh, anonymous survey about a thousand people um and 
Uh, and yeah, and with that, you get more a greater range of outcomes. There's still, the majority of quarter life crises end positively, but some don't. And for those who for those that don't turn out uh, well, uh, there uh, there's the the, the 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 pattern that one sees is of kind of repeating old patterns rather than developing new patterns and moving forward. So when the crisis hits, they perhaps jump back into some some other rather than deal with the uncertainty they jump back into something which gives them security but actually it's the same kind of environment that was causing the problem in the first place um and so rather than kind of move through a process and out the other side they get caught in a kind of like in a cycle where they're just kind of repeating relapsing um in the kind of in, in the same difficulties that that led to the crisis in the first place and with that you tend to see uh, a, a, a decline in self-esteem as they feel like that they're not managing to move forward um, and getting caught in bad feelings do you think that there's anything that people with positive outcomes did during this uh, crisis period that you would say was really the difference between having a, a negative outcome, getting trapped in, in old yeah. habits, and coming out more intrinsically motivated, as you said, with uh, a, a better idea of what they want to do for the rest of their life? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that while obviously there are a few things, I point to the importance of that quarter life crisis as a really important opportunity to um, to exercise uh, assertiveness and what psychologists call agency. In other words, the 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 the, the capacity to to do rather than than to be done unto by others, to 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 take charge of one's life and make decisions and uh, and not be swept along by the tide uh, or by social norms. So, for those who don't tend to sort things out, they tend to still remain influenced by the opinions of others and not really kind of have the, the gumption to, to, to say no to people and, uh, and to, to, to resist pressure and to take their own position on, on life. Um, so I think that, yeah, so the, the, the big difference in those who, who, who move through it positively is that they, uh, they, there are so many pressures on young adults and to resist those pressures is, 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 is challenging and it does involve saying no sometimes and standing one's own ground and being assertive and being strong. And that's the great challenge of quarter life crisis is to have a go at that and exercise your capacity to be your own person. So what is your best advice for managing or even preparing for a quarter life crisis? Uh, and I say preparing for meaning maybe you can you can head it off before it happens if you you know take yeah. these steps so well it's 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 it, the, the my advice would be uh to uh follow your curiosity in life at all times follow your interest because your interest is where your intrinsic motivation lies it's where your self is most naturally uh um located and uh and be prepared to say no if you do make a, a bad decision or if someone is putting a lot of pressure on you in order to make sure that your life continues to be aligned with your interests and your values. So I would say, I would say, that I would say manage social media usage. Don't, don't be afraid to come off it for a while if you feel that it's getting in your head. Um, make sure that you take time out from the enormous challenges of 
building your life um, with all the pressure of kind of, of, of developing yourself and having goals and purpose and all that. So do take time out to relax or meditate and just be in the moment. Um, as a society, we're much better at think of matters of purpose and intention and goals than we are at relaxation and just being in the, in the, in the now. So you have to learn how to do that. And don't be afraid to seek help from whether that's informal help from friends or a life coach or a therapist. Um, talking through stuff can really, really help. Uh, Dr. Oliver Robinson is a senior lecturer uh, in psychology at the University of Greenwich. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Robinson spoke to me over Skype, and I found it really helpful. That's it for this episode of the Peaked Podcast from Poland. I'm Kareem Maddox. Thanks for listening. And remember that I have photos up from my time here in Poland on my Instagram. I'm at Kareem Maddox. And of course, I'm on Twitter. And you can email me at peakedpodcast at gmail.com.